You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the podcast that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. From pop culture critiques to the history of K-Pop to interviews with people in the K-Pop industry and K-Pop artists themselves, to concert and album reviews, to a deep dive into the discographies of different K-pop artists, to K-pop news updates, to stories about the music industry more broadly. This show tries to cover everything about K-pop and K-pop as it applies to the larger music and concert scenes. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P-W-E-E-B-L-Y.C-O-M. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. Today on the show, my special guest is Tushar Apta, a producer and songwriter who's worked on Love to Hate Me by Blackpink, Home by BTS, some C-pop as well. He's worked on songs for Luhan, Western pop artist too, Zayn, Demi Lovato, Nicki Minaj. I could go on and on. Thank you for being here, Tushar. Thank you so much for having me. Before I get into more specific questions, would you mind sharing a bit about your journey, your story of how you entered the world of songwriting and producing, and then specifically how you ended up writing and working on K-pop songs? Basically, I've been playing music most of my life, and I sort of started writing songs, you know, around high school, but a lot of these were fairly, like basic rudimentary things just me playing at my piano and recording them on uh, at that time you know I get I might be dating myself a little bit but I recorded these on my dad's uh, my dad had a mini disc player which was like it was around the time of mp early mp3 players and you had Mm -hmm. these little discs you know you could put in there and record so I would record some of my songs that way but I never really started uh, making you know, really, really getting into the beat making and the production process until uh, I was in college. And, you know, it was still sort of a hobby for me because I I haven't grown up in a show business family. So I never had any real professional exposure to the music industry. So uh, but I, but I think deep down, I always knew that I wanted to work in music. And um, honestly, at one point, I was basically working a full time job. I worked at an IT at a really big IT company. And I was also playing gigs at night, you know, all around, all around Sydney and Australia where, where I grew up. And I would, um, you know, play gigs, do music stuff around the side of my job and then work my job. And, it's, and at a certain point, I just had enough of it. And I decided, you know, if I don't leave and really, really give music my full focus, then uh, I'll probably uh, regret it for the rest of my life. And, you know. I was I was 20 at that at that time and you know I I had an opportunity to get a visa uh, you know I took that and I I left everything I let, I dropped my whole life and I moved out to LA I um spent through all of my savings within a month cuz I didn't realize how expensive it was here and yeah. you know I I did the whole the classic sort of uh Hollywood shuffle as they call it you know I slept on couches and you know hustled around and uh in, I, I actually auditioned. My, a lot of my first gigs were as a musician, so I was auditioning for different uh, sort of hired gun bands, you know, different touring bands, and uh, mm-hmm. worked random gigs. And it, you know, it's it, it's one of those funny things where through that process, you sort of you sort of find what your strengths are, and then the 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 music world or you know just the network in LA sort of forces you to forces you to survive by using your strengths. And for me, that was always 
the song world, you know, arrangement, production, songwriting. So my first really significant record that I had was actually through a friend of mine in London who he wasn't able to make this session one day or he was, he was, I can't remember exactly what happened, but he wasn't able to basically finish the production on this song that he had with Adam Levine from Maroon 5 and PJ Morton. And basically he gave me the song and he was like, can you do some production on this? And I did it. And, you know, that was, that ended up being my first release. And I, I, I took full advantage of that. And I, I sort of used that to open some other doors for me. One of which was a friend of mine back in Australia who knew another who knew somebody else who was a K-pop producer. And, uh, you know, this, this is my friend Alex and he was living in Korea at the time from Australia, but I think he'd been been living in Korea for almost 10 years at that time. And he was really my gateway into the, not just the Korean pop stuff, but the Asian pop world in general. And, you know, he really helped me understand and develop that side of the craft for me, like really understand the sound the you know melodically how the songs are written and you know just just that whole world so we worked on a whole bunch of early development k-pop stuff some of it didn't really come out there was one the first song that we had out together was a song called by my team you know the band my team yeah and um yeah that that was a demo that i did at my parents place on like uh, i remember i produced it in this very very old software that i had and 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 I borrowed a um, like a kiddie, like a kid's learning guitar. So the the guitar <laughs> here on that song is actually is actually me sort of playing this really kiddie guitar that I had to rush to get from my friend's place to like um, to to make it in time to submit that demo. Um, and then yeah, you know we we've been building since then. But he was really my first uh, mentor, I guess, in the K-pop and Asian pop space. And then when I moved to LA and started really really writing because I knew that style, you know, and it was a way to sort of keep working while I was doing American stuff. Cause I, I found that I was actually getting a lot of, I was actually getting a lot more paid production work doing Asian pop stuff, uh, C pop stuff, K pop stuff, some Japanese stuff. Uh, so, you know, I've just always kept it going, you know, whether it's on the side or whether during certain parts of my year, I sort of go into a place where I really focus a lot on, on K pop. You were actually originally at college for something totally unrelated to studying music, right? Yeah, I was in college. I did a psychology degree and I also had an English major. And then I did a year, I did a master's degree in journalism while I was working. So it was just, you know, the the thing was at that time, I was really, like I said, I had no idea how to make it in music professionally. And I think, you know, my circles, my the society there, I think, sort of forces you to take the straight and narrow sort of uh, path, you know, even if it doesn't fit you. So I think that I was just, at that time, I really was just trying to uh, be what I just was not. <laughs> yeah. Are there, so it sounds like there's a lot of overlap between like C-pop and J-pop and K-pop writing circles. Is that the case? Like it's a lot of people who dabble in kind of all of it as opposed to like separate types of songwriters or something yeah it's it's 
interesting. I, think, I mean, J-pop is quite a different thing. There's definitely the people who are very successful in the J-pop world, they tend to not do K-pop or C-pop. J-pop sort of very much its own thing. And, you know, as a, as a listener, I'm sure you can understand, like, it's, mm-hmm. quite, it's quite different. Whereas I think yeah. there's, there's much more overlap in terms of with C-pop and K-pop, just because they, especially nowadays more than ever, they draw so much on the, uh, the American style sonically even though they adapt it to the you know to what's going on there so i think there's definitely a lot of overlap between the c and the k-pop thing but j-pop tends to have its its own that's its whole own sort of world and different sort of uh people you got to know and things like that what is kind of your process like not just for any song but like specifically for k-pop are there certain certain steps that go into you working on those songs or it, it it honestly you know really very i've had songs that i've written for completely non uh non asian acts that have been placed there just because they were you know so so just to take it back one step so from a day to day sort of perspective what i not what i do is you know i'm in the room with uh, other songwriters here in la we write a song if we're not in the room with an artist that tends to be a demo sometimes those demos you know if they don't you're, you're basically shopping those around, you know, and sometimes those demos just just by uh, happy accident, they just land with a K-pop thing just because they're looking for that specific thing. There are other instances where I'm in touch with the record labels and they say, hey, you know, we're looking for songs for such and such group. They want songs that are sort of like this. And then I'll go in and actually try to, you know, mold something around whatever references they they uh, they want it to sound or to feel like, you know. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there's other stuff like, um, with some of the stuff I'd done with BTS, it was, it was always about, okay, here's sort of, they had a lot of the music and then it was about, okay, writing songs on the music and, and, you know, that was the collaborative process with them. Uh, so yeah, it just, it, it varies. With the BTS song Home, how did that come about? Was that more of a one of those cases where they already sent you like some music to write for or something like that? Yeah, basically it's a, it was funny. I, it was December, 2018. And basically I, you know, I I had been honestly out of the loop of the K-pop of the K-pop world for a little while. I hadn't really been paying a lot of attention about who was coming up and what the different acts were. I was really at that time focused on the American side of things. And uh, Big Hit reached out to me because I think that they'd heard a record I'd done with Chris Brown um, called Zero. And, you know, I think they'd liked a couple other things that I'd done. So they reached out to me and they said, um, you know, we have this where, you know, there's a label and we have this group BTS and we're looking for songs for them. Would you be interested in writing, writing with us? So I had no idea who they were, but it was winter here in L.A., there was no sessions going on. There was absolutely absolutely nothing going on. It was totally quiet time. But uh, I looked through, you know, the stuff that they sent, and it was pretty obvious that BTS were absolutely massive, even though, you know, I'd been clearly hiding under a rock up until that point. <laughs> um, and so they sent me this. They sent me some of the musical. They were sort of rough musical guides at that point. And uh, it was... Uh, it was in January and I, re- I remember it was like freezing cold here in LA and I had a studio that was above this uh, barbershop here in West Hollywood and 
at night. It was one of these nights and I just couldn't get to sleep for some reason. I, could, I just couldn't get to sleep. And I was like, oh, let me just go to the studio and try to work on something. So I, t- I went to the studio, you know, put up the computer and uh, I pulled up the big hit email and the thing. And I wrote my, I wrote, I wrote actually to three tracks that one night. Oh, sorry, two, two of them uh, that night. And yeah, one of the, you know, my uh, bunch of my parts ended up on home basically later on. So it was just, it, it was just a, sometimes these songs are like that, you know, a whole bunch of um, things have to line up. You know, I happened to be free. I didn't really feel the pressure of doing the work. I couldn't sleep, you know, so that's why I went in that night to to work on the song and it just came out and they sound so good on it. And uh, it's been a really, it's been a really big honor and a really cool experience to be a part of that record. Sounds like it just all sort of happened naturally. Yeah, very much so. It's very much just a natural thing. I didn't, uh, it was fairly instinctual, you know, when I heard the stuff that they sent over, I sort of knew melodically what, I would have done on it, you know. I didn't. I didn't listen to too much of their music before I went in and did it. But at the same time, you know, I think at that point I'd been, you know, in and out working on K-pop for almost five, six years at that time. So I was fairly familiar with, you know, the genre and the melodic math of, you know, K-pop. That was December 2018, I believe. That song came out like not till June of 2019 or something like that. Is that common, like for? Like you work on a song and it doesn't even come out for like, oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's very common. And in the, I would say for the most part in, in Korea, songs tend to come out a little quicker, you know, and in the States, it takes a long, long time. You know, the, I've had, mm-hmm. I've had some very short release times, but also, you know, I did a Zane and Nicki Minaj song that basically took two and a half years almost to come out. Oh wow! Yeah. So, um, but yeah, but yeah, six months is is a pretty standard time, and you know, a lot of that has to do with um, just from a practical point of view. You know, the la- the label it has to think about about so many different components to how to g- make a record successful. You know, they have to give it some lead time to give the platforms enough time to get on playlists. They have to plan for videos and performances and promo. So. You know, from that, if you think about it from that point of view, a six-month lead time is not that long. <laughs> What's the story behind uh, "Love to Hate Me" by Blackpink? That one's a little bit different because that was a song that we wrote entirely here in LA, at least the initial draft of it, minus the rap section. But we were at a we were at a writing camp for for the group uh, Little Mix, uh, you know, the UK pop group Little Mix. And, you know, yeah. we just couldn't get to any, really anything specific for them. So, But we were, you know, it was myself, Rob Grimaldi, Steph Jones, and uh, Chloe. We wrote that song in a session. It was similar to the BTS experience in the sense of, like, it was, it was a really uh, instinctual experience. You know, it was like sometimes you write songs and you have to really labor over them and you have to, like, fix things and you're sort of working through the day to, like, find different melodies and find different ways of doing things before it's all correct and then sometimes the song just sort of comes together in a couple of hours and you know it's the the magic is just there in the room and uh that was honestly one of those days where we pretty much had the song in a couple of hours and then we really took our time to record the demo correctly 
especially with with k-pop stuff vocal production is so so important so we tend to or at least when i work on uh, k-pop stuff really make sure that that all the vocal parts are right and you know vocally you can get very very intricate with how you do vocal production in in k-pop so um you know we took our time with that but yeah it was a very easy and a super fun fun day we um sent that song off to blackpink's label and they you know they really liked it they held it for a little while i think they were getting songs from some really really heavy <laughs> heavy hitters over here in la and obviously they're such a huge group so they're going to get the best songs that are in the you know the song sphere at that point at that time and so i think we we only yeah. really found out you know we might have i think we wrote that in december 2019 somewhere around there so yeah early december 2019 and i think it was confirmed for the record around may maybe may may june you know it passed through the sort of magic touch of teddy and danny they were definitely involved as soon as it got into okay this is definitely going to be on the record and by that time we were well into the sort of quarantine section of the year so they did a lot of that when you work on k-pop songs and you're done with them and send them over does it ever happen where they record their vocals for it and then send it back and you have to like change this on or rewrite stuff or edit it or are you done with it for like period once it's sent out to them normally by the time the the artist records it in my uh experience most of the time it's done S- uh, sometimes what will happen is you you will send the you'll send the song to a label and they will you know they'll ask for revisions before before the uh before the performer cuts uh records the song and so yeah so normally it's that you know by the time the artist records the records the song normally normally that is sort of the finished Do you ever work on a song and then it comes out and like then you find out it came out or do you always get like a heads up? <laughs> that's a that's a that's a tricky one. It it has happened to me a couple of times. I, most of the time because I'm also the producer on the song, meaning I'm also involved in the track side of the song. We uh as producers we're normally involved till till the end or at least, you know, we're the ones that from a I'm sh- I don't know if this is of any interest to the, to your listeners but you know as producers we're the ones that um that see a lot of the paperwork you know to the contracts and stuff once these songs are confirmed so we're not just blindsided mm-hmm. by anything like that but sometimes um as songwriters yeah it it definitely has happened where a song is just out and uh I didn't even know for months and months that is there some sort of like intuition you get when you work on some songs that you know when you work on certain songs like that one's going to be a big hit kind of get a premonition for any of that as far as it being a big hit i don't know about that i i think anybody who's who claims that they know that this is going to be a big hit you know in terms of the commercial success of a song they're probably lying <laughs> you know what i mean but but yeah. you certainly get that you certainly have a feeling when something is special you know when it's different you you you're not thinking to yourself oh this is going to do you know 50 million streams or whatever it's it's not really that kind of feeling but you definitely feel like oh this is better than the this is better than the other stuff something about this feels like it's it's really special and it, and it'll really work and I, and you know we really really d- definitely had that feeling working on um love to hate me i think by the end of the day we were really we were, we were really like oh this is 
I really think this is something, you know, not, obviously th at that time we didn't know that uh, Blackpink was going to take it or anything like that. We just knew that, yeah, this song feels like, it feels like something. So much of what we do, even as successful, as relatively successful as other people in this world, where we're, we're still at the, you know, for people like me, most of the, most of what our, most of our professional lives we're still getting hugely disappointed you know we get more rejections than we get um than we get actual successes so you when you have that special when you feel that sort of special energy around the song you try not to overthink it you know by um by thinking oh this is really going to be something you know <laughs> you you sort of say, you need to right just be great yeah you need to be great and you need to set yourself up for the disappointment if it doesn't like as like like we were talking about before you know sometimes it can take two years to for, for these songs to come out so you gotta uh you have to just kind of have faith that the song is good i'm i'm really curious more about your uh, experiences in c-pop as well because i feel like that just has not gotten the global attention Definitely. that k-pop has and it deserves a lot yeah. more attention i personally think i guess i'm just wondering like if you have any stories about working on specific c-pop songs or just in that world like any any experiences right. or no, yeah, I, I don't know anything no, about I, got you. I, I, I love c-pop because sort of uh you know someone for me you know i really grew up on very very melodic pop you know especially just that was just was just the music my parents used to play in the house it was you know stevie wonder and uh billy joel and you know michael jackson and prince and abba you know this is like very very so one of the things i love about uh k-pop and also c-pop is it allows you to do those sort of um you know it's it's not it's not that it's like old school melodies but it allows you to be very very melodic when you're writing which is so different from you know the american style which is much more sort of vibey and the emphasis is more on the on the rhythmic elements of it and so I, i've always loved working in in the asian pop space because of that because i think asian audiences in particular they really really love melodies and they love ballads you know which um so that allows me to sort of do that kind of stuff and you know, I, I guess one thing I will say about C-pop is it's definitely, you know, they're, they're still a little bit behind, obviously, in terms of the impact that K-pop has from a global point of view. But I think they're definitely closing the gap in terms of like the quality, the, you know, the performance aspect and obviously how huge some of these acts are, you know, like uh, like Luhan or like JJ Lin. This, JJ Lin is one of my one of my friends who works in uh who works in Asia and we've written, we've written a couple of songs together and I have, we've written one song together that is uh, one of my favorite Asian pop songs I've, I've ever been involved with. And I really, really fingers crossed hope it comes out this year. Um, I've, I went down to Shanghai in 2018 with uh, my friend, Brian Lee, who you might, who you might've heard of. He wrote, uh, he's written a couple of songs for Blackpink, but he wrote on Lovesick Girls. And then, um, you know, he's sort of written, big American hits, Havana and Let Me Love You by Justin Bieber, so many songs. And so he was sort of one of my early songwriting mentors and we went down to uh, Shanghai to work with uh, Gia, who was part of the group Miss A. She might be half Korean, but she's basically, she's basically a, a Chinese native. And so we went down there to work on her solo project. And we did two songs for her. One is called Drip, if you get a chance to check it out. It was so much fun, you know, we, yeah, we just had a we just had a blast. I love Shanghai, and I'm I'm super excited to go back down there to do more, you know, more of that work. And I think 
going back to you know the sort of the appreciation they have for music i think they really really love the the craft and you know it's only going to get it's only going to get bigger and better you know was it also on that trip that you worked on the song with Luhan, or was that a different? That was a different. That one of my early days of working in, um, working in the K-pop sort of uh, C-pop world is, I was working with uh, another producer, AD over here, who, who he'd done a lot of work for for YG and a couple of other labels, but he's a he's a Korean American guy that that lives over in LA in Koreatown. And we got connected through one of my other friends in Korea. We used to write together a lot when I sort of first moved to LA, and we we did um, we wrote role play at his apartment in Korea, and we just sort of we sent it around to a few people. His manager, I think his manager was also ANRing the Lu Han project, and so that's how he sort of got it to him. Yeah, that was a different thing, but that that was you know for me personally that was similar to my experience with BTS's. I had really no idea just how big Luhan was and you know that and suddenly when that record came out I was getting emails from all my friends in Korea and China saying oh I can't believe like you worked on this song and it's like it, you know that's when I realized oh this is really a, a thing that's moving. When you are stuck for inspiration where do you tend to get that from? I'm kind of right now in a funny period of where I'm trying to I'm trying to find that inspiration again for a little bit. You know, I guess we we just come out of the uh, we've just come out of the New Year's holidays, and I'm still trying to sort of work my way into uh, a good creative place for the year. But I think it's an interesting balance between the discipline and then just taking time out for yourself and trying to like live life and sort of letting it come to you. You know, I th- I think a lot of people have this. Uh, very sort of flighty idea that as uh, as professional creators we just sort of walk around the, uh, the the garden and we sort of walk around the street waiting for inspiration to suddenly strike us but that's not really how it works in 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 my experience you know from a professional point of view I think you have to just try to do something every day you know even if you're even if you know that you know you're, you're not really feeling it or the ideas aren't great you just have to try to create and do something you know so there's something to be said about like just working you know every day just doing something even if it's not good you have to kind of work through the 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 bad ideas to get to the good ones in a sense when you know that you're just just doing it just for the sake of doing it you can it's definitely important to just get out there in the world and go like hang out with your friends just take a little walk around you know go to the beach just put your feet in the sand just like find other ways to um, to engage with the with the world outside and suddenly you can come back in and and feel energized and feel excited about music and something will just will just hit you you know some uh, sometimes i've sometimes i've had full songs come to me in my sleep but you have to sort of work with the things you can control which i think is you know you just have to have a sense of discipline and um you know a really good work ethic uh, around what you do even 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 if it's not really great, you know it's an extra interesting time now to be a songwriter because it seems like a lot of those chances to go out and live and get new inspiration for songs are like not possible right now. So what is the actual songwriting like um, these days? Because it sounds like you're usually with quite a few other people working on a song, but three or four people is pretty standard for for me. I try to not get to more people than that when we're actually writing in a room. Um, Like you said, this year is so, so different. We're doing a lot more 
uh, we're doing a lot more writing over Zoom. So, you know, we just get on, get on Zoom calls and try to throw ideas back and forth. I think with the, thankfully we have, you know, the internet and these sort of tools where we can share our ideas fairly quickly. You know, we just sort of send uh, audio files back and forth and try to stitch songs together that way. It's, it's not, it's not the same vibe as being in studio, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a traditionalist that way, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just something we have to adapt to, isn't it? Like so many other things this year, but uh, fingers crossed, we'll sort of get back to the, the old way of working. I, I think, like you said, you, you touched on something, um, the, the fact that everything is kind of sort of restricted and closed down, that's the bit that I think makes it a little bit harder is, um, you know, not only do, are we having to do these sessions over Zoom, but we kind of really go out and just like, we're all just sort of hopeful that this is just a temporary sort of phase, you know. It feels like K-pop, the music industry never really no. slowed down there, but it feels like for the Western artists that a lot of them are putting albums on hold until they can tour and things like that. Like, is that affecting what assignments you have? Honestly, it hasn't really. You know, the funny thing is last year was probably one of my best years I've ever had. I had uh, I had 16 releases last year between uh, the K-pop stuff and a wow. bunch of American stuff. And, you know, I, I, I wrote, I did music for a, for a TV show on NBC, you know, because the content business was so, was, was really booming last year and everybody was at home. So it was like Spotify, you know, people were still listening to music and watching TV shows. So from that point of view, stuff still need needed to be created. But like, but like you said, there was mm -hmm. definitely a lot of artists that were holding on to songs and, you know, waiting for, and they're probably waiting for when they can do the promo in the old in the old way where you know go do late night shows do live performances all that kind of stuff um in terms of how it's affected the types of songs we are writing i don't think it really has i think if if anything what you know the trends in music tend to be you sort of you sort of have to write against the dominant sort of feeling of the moment so you know in normally in in times where people are feeling down that's when upbeat music tends to tends to go tends to do really well when things are going really good that's like normally the period when there's a lot of really really great emo rock you know if you think about america in the 90s or something like that you know and then so you know mm -hmm. I, I would say this year the only thing that i feel like has changed is that we're still writing upbeat pop songs and i think that more danceable records is going to be the uh, the thing for this year do you have other predictions regarding like songs and trends for this year? Or is it mostly you're thinking it's going to be a lot more just mm. upbeat stuff? Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. We we know in music that music tends to go in sort of a twenty year cycle. So, for example, a lot of the music we hear nowadays is starting to reference nineties uh, music, which is sort of around that twenty you know, to twenty five year mark old. Mm -hmm. Because the you know people like me who have grown up on late 90s, say early 2000s music, we suddenly grow up, we suddenly get old and we become the people who are writing the songs. So we're going to bring those influences with us. So I think sort of early 2000s R&B pop, which was sort of the big thing back then, come back. Like we talked about, to me, always sort of energetic and up. And not that that's any different from any other era because pop music, especially the stuff that works on the charts, tends to be more up-tempo anyway whether it's uh in korea or china or here you know i think i think china's sometimes the exception because they do they definitely 
gravitate towards the ballad and the sort of mid-tempo stuff a lot more. Is there anything, any assignments or any songs you're working on now that, or that are coming out this year? I got into so much trouble on Twitter around the time of the uh, Blackpink release for talking about something like that. So, I, you know, I don't have anything confirmed from the K-pop side, but, you know, I'm definitely, definitely working towards um, a couple of really interesting things on that side. So, you know, one thing I really, really have always wanted to do is to, like, be part of release for like a super junior or you know a big bang yeah that'd be awesome especially when yes. live music comes back that big bang is perfect oh for they're the best a live yeah, song. They're, they're definitely one of my biggest um influences and sort of you know really look up to all the you know musically all the stuff that g dragon and those guys were were doing yeah he's awesome do you hope to keep dabbling in like c poppy and j or yeah maybe j pop k pop like do you like not getting tied down and feeling like you're working just on Western pop or just on K-pop? Yeah, I think I've always been that type of person because I get quite bored being stuck in one place for too long, you know, which is why I um, I do. I also do film scoring, you know, I, I obviously I do. I write songs, but I also do a lot of the film and TV work. And, you know, there's definitely from a strategic point of view, I've always wanted to keep the Asian pop side going because it's just a... It's just a thing that's going to get bigger and bigger. And that's the way that the world is changing as well. You know, we're becoming more, you know, a lot of the, from a global economy point of view, it's being focused around that Asian market already. And I think that's how I saw it when I entered mm -hmm. K-pop eight years ago. And that's still how I see it. So I definitely, a lot of the stuff around, you know, when we did the Blackpink record, I was, I was one of the, on the American side, I was sort of, had done a lot more of the K-pop stuff than some of the other writers. And I was lucky that I was able to take advantage of being one of the fairly early, you know, American writers involved in that side of things. So, you know, it's not, it's not really something I can, uh, I can just let go <laughs> like that. So I, I definitely see, I definitely see myself continuing to do it. And one of the exciting things about K-pop, I think right now is that it's so, obviously it's so, huge globally you know it definitely wasn't this big when i had started doing it also the challenges are different you know that i think in terms of the quality of the writing and the production it's just so it's just so good you know it's just such a great way to sort of keep keep the sword sharp as they say you know from a creative point of view so yeah i definitely i definitely see myself getting if anything more involved in uh in that side of things just two more questions one is just Broadly speaking, what what is your advice for, I mean, mostly what's your advice, I guess, for someone trying to work in the world of songwriting and producing, but also just in general, you took like a big leap of faith to just like totally change, you know, the direction of your life yeah. to uh, work in LA. I guess your advice for a big career pivot or just some big, big career moment. I think you touched on something there as you were asking it, which was, taking those kind of risks doesn't just apply to being a songwriter, but it can apply to, to anything that you're sort of really, really passionate about that you're trying to do in your life. And it's funny being on the, you know, I guess you could say I'm on the other side of this where I'd, where I'd done a lot of that stuff. And when I look back on that leap, I guess it seems easier when I look back than it did when I, when I was doing it, you know what I'm saying? So I guess the advice, the advice would be to just, there's so many people that have ideas, but the winners always execute. And it's honestly just about doing stuff and, 
you really do have to think about what's the worst thing that can happen. And a lot of times when you think of it that way, you'll realize that it's not going to be that bad, you know, <laughs> no failure once you try, you know, because you, a lot of times just giving something that shot will actually lead to its own opportunities, whether it's the thing that you were looking for or it's something else that in that, in that journey, you know, and, and I've seen it happen from so many times, not just in a music sense, but in other sort of professional, uh, professional avenues, you know, as journalists, as podcasters, as people in the media and, you know, all kinds of other things. So you can't rationalize these things because once you start, if you do think about it from like a very, you know, a very practical perspective, which is so common in, in our world. And certainly, you know, my parents, obviously, you know, I'm, I, I'm from Asian, my parents are Indian from that background. So you know how they are, it's like, very, it's fairly practical focused. You can't really think about it like that, because otherwise, it seems crazy. It seems like the craziest thing to do to drop like the nice life and just to leave it and just to move to LA and just be broke for the while. It seems crazy. But, but you can't think of it from that perspective. You have to trust that instinct. That's a great message to end with. Last quick question then is just, uh, where can my listeners stay up to date on? On Instagram, I'm at Spring Loaded. You know, I'm, I'm on TikTok at the moment, but I'm still sort of figuring out how to, how to use it. But definitely get, get me on Instagram, any songwriters, anybody who wants to you know, message me about anything, send me songs, whatever. I'm always listening to stuff, you know, I'm always taking different submissions from people. I'm always listening to new music and always looking to find uh, new talent out there for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for taking of the course. time for no, this. Thank you for having me. And I hope I didn't uh, sort of ramble on there too. <laughs> two of us there. No, on podcast, yeah. long answers are always the best. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, well, thanks so much. You too. Speak soon. Have a good Bye. one.